on-demand coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. What's up, PFT PM Posse, plus anyone else who happens to be listening? Maybe a few more listening than usual today, because it's kind of a reunion show, and this is a good day to do it, because this is the nine-year anniversary of the day that the first PFT NBC contract was signed. Also, the 53rd anniversary of the day I first made my arrival. Some may wish that had never happened. Oh, well, too late too late to change that one, uh, and definitely too late to change the NBC-PFT relationship. But Greg Rosenthal was the, the person that got the short straw at NBC when PFT came over. He had been working for Roto World, and part of the deal was they were going to help me staff up the PFT, you know, capability so we would be able to do essentially 24-7 not quite 24 hours a day but pretty close to it so Greg was a big part of that and Greg was with us from July 1 2009 when the partnership began until he left to go work for the NFL in early 2012 and it surprised me when it happened and it pissed me off when it happened and we went a long time where my attitude was you're dead to me. And was it immature and childish? I don't know. But it is definitely in keeping with my Italian heritage or at least the lineage because my mother was just like that. But anyway, recently, Greg and I have had a chance to, to visit on a few occasions. We have a mutual friend in Matt Casey who is the executive producer of PFT Live and, and involved with Football Night in America. So we were at his wedding last week. And, and it may have been the alcohol talking, but either way. We decided to have our reunion via the PFTPM podcast. And let me just tell you now, there's not going to be anything afterward. This is it. And I'm not going to talk about any of the news that's out there. We got a full hour with Rosenthal. So we're just going to play that and I'll be off the clock and I can go uh, start enjoying the uh, the rest of the day. So enjoy the rest of the program. Get ready. It's a full hour. And uh, I, I don't know how people are going to react to it. There may be some people out there who get pissed off based upon some of the things they hear. I guess I can just apologize in advance and not really mean it. So I'll do that. And uh, without further ado, here you go. Okay, PFTPM Posse, you asked for it, sort of. You didn't really ask for it. I offered it, but you reacted very favorably. I did make the offer in a haze of Cabernet from Matt Casey's wedding six days ago in wine country. Greg Rosenthal was there. Former, uh, what was your title at profootballtalk.com? I don't think I really had a title. You never, you never graced me with such a thing. I, I, I don't have one either. So we had that in common. <laughs> anyway, Greg Rosenthal joining the podcast now. Hello, Greg. Uh, it's great to be with you, Florio. I, uh, I like this, you know, older, kinder, gentler uh, Florio. You've got a dog. I'm on the show. It's beautiful. Listen, don't, don't get too far ahead of yourself, right? Don't push your <laughs> luck, little man. I still is, am as much of a prick as I always was, and it's going to come out at some point in the next 30 minutes or so. So I, it was strange how this all happened because you knew – how long have you known Matt Casey? Um, about 12 years now. He was my producer originally on my fantasy shows on NBCSports.com. And I met him at some point in 2009. It was June – Eight today, nine years ago, that we went to NBC, met with Dick Eversall, signed the contract wow. with NBC. Yeah, exactly. It's the anniversary, nine years ago today. And Matt and I started working together once we started producing videos out of my house. And it started off as little one to two to three minute clips. And then it became PFT Live, which you would guest host from time to time. And now he 
has an integral role on Football Night in America, and he, I think he's the executive producer of PFT Live. He's basically in charge, but just does drive-bys. I mean, that's the best gig mm-hmm. to have, where you have full authority, but you just kind of show up whenever you want. That, that's what I aspire to ultimately be at PFT. Oh, I was going to say, that sounds like your role at PFT, doesn't it? No? No, I still work. I still mind. No, I would, I would never. I would. Ne- I would question maybe something to you, but I would never question the amount of hours and uh, the amount of work that you do. I my life is is a little bit easier trying not trying to keep up with you because that's a difficult task. Well, and that was back in the days when all I had was the website, so I was constantly grind, 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 and now we found these other things that take up time, so I can't put as much time in, but. You know, that's, I mean, once I stopped practicing law and it was like, wait a minute, I can just do this other thing that I've somehow found time to do over the last eight years. I mean, yeah, that was incredible. And uh, it was liberating and uh, uh, probably spent too much time working during those years. But what the hell? I mean, it really, I mean, it's the thing. People say, oh, how, you, you know, how hard do you work? It's like, first of all, it's really not work. Well, do you characterize what we do as work? No, I don't. The second I, I started in fantasy football, and I love what I'm doing now even more. But even then, I thought immediately, I'm never going back uh, to a real job. And I do remember that time uh, when you signed with NBC, the uh, the excitement because uh, I had started to work with you as a little bit of a trial basis. We we're gonna see how how it works. But uh, I, I remember it was it was a big day when you came over to NBC. I didn't think it was a trial basis. I thought you were all in from day one. Maybe it was a trial basis from your perspective. Maybe maybe you told the guys at NBC, you know, let me just do this on a trial basis because this guy's too much of a shithead. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I I had a feeling, and maybe I was wrong. Maybe it was more from the NBC side. You were kind of you know kicking the tires, and I was about fifty fifty for the first month or so doing some fantasy still. And you want to see if you really, you know, if I, if you really like this guy that kind of came along with the pack, and then eventually you stick around. I don't remember that just because I don't remember what my alternative was. Because I don't think I had an alternative. You didn't have many. You did not have any good choices. So yeah. So I don't. I don't recall it. I don't recall it that way. But but maybe it was because that's the thing. We we never had many employees per se. And back in 2009, that would have been. I don't know who we brought with us. I think Aaron Wilson was working for PFT at the time. Because I remember the day we went to sign the NBC contract, he wrote a story that was based on an article that just ripped the hell out of Dick Ebersol for hiring Tiki Barber. And it's like, Aaron, what the are you doing? I'm going over to meet with this guy for the first time and finalize a deal. The deal isn't finalized yet. And I don't think Aaron's capably malicious. I just think it was stupid. But, man, was that stupid. I, I do remember that. Aaron did come along for a little while. Tom Curran was in the mix for for a little while. You definitely stressed him out as, as a boss. I remember getting a lot of calls from him. Uh, but that was about it. And MDS, of course, he was there. How did I stress him out? Tom and I always got along very well. Well, just, you know, just uh, trying to – I think he was trying to keep up with you. You know, it was like, should I be he, – he hadn't done the kind of grinded out blogging. He had been a reporter and – I think he was just trying to make sure he was he was doing it right. Well, and I mean, he does it very well with NBC Sports Boston. He eventually decided to slide into that role where he can focus on the Patriots, and now he's got that gig 
Boston Sports Tonight, and he does plenty of other things. So, man, this is really, this is a trip down the freaking memory, I don't know what to call it, rabbit hole, wormhole, shithole, I don't know, but I haven't thought about a lot of this stuff in a long time. But, yes, nine years ago. I hope people are still listening. I think that they probably are. I think they are, because this is different than the usual day, because I think they're waiting to see, like, if we're going to bear our souls about, like, you know, you leaving and how happy you were to leave and did we get along and why did I ignore you for nine years or how many years? Oh, it's been wow. six years. Well, that's 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 for you to uh, to let me know, I guess. That, that's up to you. Well, you, you, know, you know me well enough to know how I was going to react. You knew damn well how I was going to react because I'm Italian. And the Italian way, at least how it was programmed into me by my mother, was, okay, fine. Uh, who are you again? See ya. What? Who are you? <laughs> I don't know who you are. I You used to work here? I'm not aware of that. I don't believe that at all. I do not know who you are. You've been born? That's news to me. So that was just kind of the way I was brought up. Yeah, I, I definitely got a few, you know, <laughs> well before I left at TFT, uh, a few speeches about that PFT, you you kind of saw it like it was the uh, the mob essentially that you were Tony Soprano. Whoa, whoa, and then, whoa, whoa, when you're in, whoa. you're in, and when you're out, you're out. Did I really say it like that? Uh, I don't know if you used the Soprano name, but I do think you said it was it was a little bit down that line. But for listeners, we've talked plenty uh, since since I left uh, the NFL for the NFL. And it's not that I wait was, a minute. Wait a minute. We know, talked thrilled, more on Saturday to get out from under you well, or anything. Uh, I, I had a great job that I loved at PFC and I had a, an opportunity uh, to do something else and decided to, to, to do that. But I, it was two great options. We talked more on Saturday at Matt Casey's wedding than we did in the six years before that combined times <laughs> 10. So that's not true. We saw each other at owners' meetings and some combines. We would talk. You know, your your wife Jill. You know, listeners probably don't know her. She she's really the the one that brings everyone together and and the real badass of the uh, the Florio family. So there's no way uh, we can hang out with Jill. Uh, and my wife Emika was there and not have a great time. Well, and that's true. And 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 we you know we we visited the scouting combine and we have spoken in the past. And I you know. Time heals all wounds, especially because you get to the point where you forget what you were mad about. That's what my mom used to do. She would get into a fight with a friend, and they would ignore each other for multiple years. And then all of a sudden, everything was fine again because I think they both forgot what the hell they were mad about. So, <laughs> Although, I mean, I understand what caused us to no longer be inactive. And it's just weird when you're dealing with somebody all the time and talking and texting all the time. And I can't remember how we typically kept in touch. I don't remember a lot of phone calls, but I think I talked with you more than I talked with anybody else. I mean, with the folks we have now, especially since we have five of them, we just send mass emails and I'll send text messages to MDS or Darren Gant from time to time, or I'll talk. I've been talking to Shereen Williams on Shereen Williams on the phone more often than most of the other folks, mm. just because I can tell that's her preferred style so you know we'll just talk on the phone but not not i mean five times is you know more than i've talked to most of the other folks but uh, i can't remember no we, we were living on instant message aol instant message i definitely commu- it was it was all like that for the most part definitely some phone calls here or there but we were we were up in each other's lives pretty much all day every day it felt like it was it 
there was it was a lot of back and forth. And MDS was in that mix too. So that's good to hear that you're not you're not slacking with MDS all day every day anymore. That 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 era has gone and and went. I guess. Was he with us? In 2009, because he left for AOL, but then he came back on a part-time basis, and then it was full-time. But I remember yeah. he was the first person that PFT hired, and that was 2007 time frame. He left for AOL when they were building up that fan house blog, and then at some point they let him come back part-time. Was he on board when, when we went with NBC, or did he come back after that? No, he, he was there. He was on board. Uh, I don't remember if it was you know totally full-time or not. Uh, I know I was kind of, you know, if you if you weren't around, I definitely had to be around. And then MDS was back full-time. I, I think he came back to the full-time uh, after I was there. And then it was kind of the three of us, uh, guns blazing. And Josh Alper, also another one who was with us, left for Fan House and then came back. So, I mean, Josh has been with us a long time. MDS mm. has been there a long time. Darren's been there six years. He was the, the body that we added after uh, – after you flew the coop, and then uh, there had been like a there had been like a mid-level part-time gig that that various people had the past few years, from Mike Wilkening to Zach Jackson, and and Shireen has really taken that and run with it. Shireen has been, I mean, she's essentially just like a full-fledged full-time member now. She was great once once she was available last year when the Fort Worth Star Telegram moved on, which was just, a, I remember, because we were looking for somebody kind of part-time at the time, and I wasn't happy with any of the options, and it's like, what are we going to do, what are we going to do, I don't know what to do, and the moment she came available, it was like, shit, and I know what we're going to do, we're going to hire Shereen mm-hmm. Williams if we can, so she's been she's been really good for us. Well, I like that you can barely remember or keep track, you know, of, of what we were arguing about, because you have so many different um, battles going on at any various time, but... I, you know, you were you were the only grudge out there for me. I'm not someone that really is is in constant uh, not talking to people, you know, relationships. That's not that's not really how I roll. Well, you're not living if you're not mad at. I mean, you got you know, life is more interesting when you create some drama, right? You need to you need to get about 50 million Twitter followers and get up at 6 a.m. and just like piss everybody off, and then the rest of your day is exciting. <laughs> then I'm not living. I got I got a lot to learn. That's where I thought, I mean, you, this was taking a very presidential turn when you started making references to, like, loyalty oaths and, uh, you know, you weren't my fixer or anything. So I just want that to be clear. <laughs> First of all, and I'm finally getting to the topics that I that I had roughed out for this. No, I this found, is fun. We should just have a therapy session for 30 minutes. I don't know if, you know, I know Matt Casey and Rick Cordell out there are, like, listening to it. Well, you know, I, it's funny because this this afternoon podcast for me is like a therapy session every day, but usually it's just me. And it's great because, <laughs> and especially because the, the folks will ask questions and you end up bearing your soul because you feel like you're kind of talking into the abyss, especially in this setting. I know the thing you do, the around the NFL, and you've got like, like, a, like a real set. I mean, it you know, and you have a headset on and it feels yeah, official. Got, and it's four of us. It's right. four of us all talking. Right. And and probably there's only so much you can say. I mean, even though it's a podcast, I don't think you guys are dropping a lot of F-bombs on a Roger Goodell property. We can we swear and we can beep it out, if, but we try to limit it. Yes, uh, we can definitely get away with a lot more in general in terms of content because no one's 
really paying as close attention to our podcast as they would, let's say, you know, NFL Network. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, we gotta we gotta beep out the switch. Have you gotten any complaints from anyone with the league for anything that you've said on the Around the NFL podcast? Oh, sure. And we we've. We've commented on that on the podcast. We talk about the shadowy league figures uh, here and there. For the most part, it's pretty hands off, uh, and it's usually not the league. It's it's not like league matter stuff. But every once in a while, we we find out where the line is, and, and something uh, we get some complaints. Like I like every I think reporter or show or anything does. It usually starts with a complaint, maybe from a team or a or, or a coach or something like that and it gets filtered up through the system and, and then we get on people to read it. So where does it go when there's a complaint from a team? Who do they complain to? Well, it depends. Whoever they hit, I don't know. It, it depends on how serious it is. Uh, we haven't had many issues. I'm not just saying this. Nothing out of the ordinary. I feel like I got more I got in trouble more, got more complaints when we were at PFT certainly than, than at the NFL but I don't know. They call someone probably at the league office, and, and uh, it gets filtered down to the media. I mean, we're kind of in our own little planet in Los Angeles, and uh, that's probably a source of frustration for the league on some level. Uh, but it's definitely good to have a, kind of a separation between church and state with the whole media in California. But when they, they put the pinch on you, I mean, what do they say? I mean, do they? it's like you got to remember who you work for. Do they just pass it along? I mean, how how— how overt is the – because it's one thing for them to complain to an outside company, but this is all part of the same company. So when the complaint comes in, I mean, what is the message that you get? Yeah, and, and the reason I'm having trouble answering that is less because, you know, it hasn't happened, more because I don't know. Because by the time it gets to us, it's just through, you know, the, the managers who run the podcast division, essentially, and they, they've heard it, and we don't even always know where it is. Um, I guess it depends. I mean, I, I'm curious that we – don't hear much about it. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a specific example. It's basically, if, if the show's already been up, it's just like, watch it, you know, uh, you, you know that they weren't happy with this. Uh, uh, and there's not, much, there's not much more you can do about it in that, in that case. But is it more a situation where you think they aren't paying attention, or is there a conscious awareness that because this is an NFL production, when in Rome, I mean, we, we have to, we, we, you know, you have to be careful. You can't take a dump in the living room. You got to be careful because you're, you're on the premises where you're creating this thing, even though it's LA versus New York, it's all under the same umbrella. Is there an awareness when you're doing it that we better be careful because we don't want to get that phone call. We don't want to be in a situation where we have the man giving us a hard time. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a certain line, especially early on, that we realize that, you know, I think we can be critical and we can talk about, we obviously do talk about whatever the controversial stories of, are of the day, if there are any, and, you know, there, there often have been over the last five years. So you do have that sort of um, line in your head. But I really, and, and we spoke with this at the wedding a little, I don't think it's any different than than you would have on NBC. Like, you can talk about things, you just have to do it in a certain way that's professional on some level and fair. And we're, we get very goofy uh, on the podcast, and, and we, can be, we can be very critical. But, yeah, the, you probably are, are doing it. You're hold, not holding back, but you're doing it in the same way that you would do it on television, you know?
Well, and that's the key, and that is the conversation we had. I do remember that through the haze of Cabernet, that when I'm on NBC, <laughs> that's their that's their turf, and that's their NFL production, and they're in direct partnership with the NFL for that show. So that's, hey, I mean, and, and also it's very highly produced, and you only say what they know you're going to say ahead of time. You don't riff like you do in a situation like this, unless for some reason we're light by 15 minutes and they decide to fill and they don't know in advance what people are going to talk about. I mean, they always know or they have okay. a pretty good idea what's going to be said before we say it. And if we're going to be touching on any controversial topics, we flesh it out in advance, rehearse it if need be, tape it in advance if need be, if it's particularly mm-hmm. problematic or potentially problematic. So the con- the context isn't even conducive to saying anything that would piss anyone off because if you have, you you know in advance. It's you know it's like a taped show versus a live show. They know in advance. Uh, if we're if we're going to do anything, I mean, not they, the NFL, but the powers that be at NBC know if we're going to get close to the line and they can make phone calls if they need to ahead of time. So that's all very well produced. And I can't I mean, it would be no different whether it's controversial or whether it's just going off script. If they would say, hey, you're going to give a news bite about Terrell Owens not going to the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And I decide when it's time for me to talk that I talk about something completely different. Even if it would be the least controversial thing at all, they'd be like, what the hell are you doing? That wasn't what you were supposed to say in that spot. So TV is one thing. And for me, like it's different, like different platforms at PFT. I can say whatever I want on this. I definitely say whatever I want. PFT live is FCC regulated. So we're (laughs) careful there. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like you have to be consciously aware of of the format. And my big fear is one of these days I'm going to forget and I'm going to you know, not drop an F-bomb on PFT Live, but at least say shit or piss or... I have said piss, but shit. Shit's the one I'm afraid I'm going to say on PFT Live and get in all kinds of trouble. So wait, you're not giving your producer extra work here? He doesn't have to bleep that out on this podcast? Uh, there is no producer on this podcast. There's none. Oh, okay. That makes it great. Well, that's and nice. and that's why Stats, the producer... Do you know... Are you, you know Stats, right? I know, yeah. I don't know him personally, but I know him. I know him. I envy you. Yeah, he... Uh, he he hates this podcast because he has nothing to do with it. And he, and he <laughs> hates the group. Cause I, I don't know how much you know about the story or if it came out or if you, into, I, I don't know, but here's the story And the PFTPM posse knows about this. I was just going to stop doing it because it's like, hey, yeah, man, I don't know if anybody's even listening to this thing. And it's, you know, a half hour to 45 minutes to an hour in the afternoon that I could be doing other shit. And it's like, why am I doing this? And, this group emerged out of nowhere, like, how dare you stop? It's like, well, I guess there's somebody out there who listens to this. And so they hate stats and stats hates them. And that makes it fun. Yeah. Well, I, I stand with the PM, PFT posse because they were. You first, you got to get it right. It's PFT PM posse. So you, you can't stand PFTPM with the PFT posse. posse. They right. don't exist. It's the PFT PM posse. Gotcha. And uh, so to button up the, the, NFL thing. I, I'm not just saying this. I've been pleasantly. I don't know if I had expectations, but I I love what we can talk about on our podcast. I'm pleasantly surprised that I think we we speak our minds. We say what we want to say. There are there are very few cases uh, that I can think of where we've ever had to edit out or that where I really felt like I couldn't say what I wanted to say. On it, and I think that's it's kind of what you say. It's because of the format that we're pretty under the radar, and there's no there's no pre-show meetings where the NFL knows what we're talking about, or or even necessarily after the show. We're doing it, and they're trusting us and our our producer, 
you know, to put up the show that we want. And, and I like the fact that we can be sort of on the inside and still be critical and be stupid and be goofy at, uh, basically as, as much as we want. It doesn't mean that we're going to be, like, irresponsible about it, but we certainly, we're certainly allowed to be critical in a way that I'm not sure you really could on, on NFL Network and TV, at least not to the same degree. Give me one thing you said on the Around the NFL podcast where after you said it, you thought, oh, shit, and you worried about getting blowback. Uh, wow. I'm so stupid I don't usually realize it until after the fact. <laughs> uh, I do well, have, you ever, have you ever stopped? I, I have you ever stopped? And, and completely honest, the, t- the toughest times, I think, and this was as a writer and as an editor, I was running a news desk and the, and the – podcast was the was greg hardy greg hardy after ray rice that that whole mess was difficult to talk about because we that was probably something i think we were we were definitely critical of how some of the things were handled and that was one where i i I remember afterwards not really being sure if if it was over the line and, and whatever we were talking about it was not an easy thing to talk about at all what have you guys been saying about the anthem issue? Well, just that if the if the object, you know, a couple weeks ago, and that was the express viewpoint of the owners, was that this anthem policy was to was to basically get less attention away from this issue. That it was gonna that it, I was worried it was gonna backfire. That it was gonna do the opposite, and that's basically how it's played out. And that, and that, like the response of the Eagles and and Malcolm Jenkins, for instance, this week, like it's 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 weird because it's something as the NFL. I'm sort of proud proud of how the players have handled it and how some of the teams have handled it. And it's a strange it's a strange dichotomy between that and and what's been silence for the most part, uh, at least this week from from the league level. What amazes me about this, Greg, is the NFL will always stand up and fight you, any adversary, actual or perceived. They'll fight you in court. They'll fight you with their economic power. They'll fight you via their PR expertise. They'll fight you any way they can. If you are perceived as an enemy, you are going to get a fight. And this is the first time in all the years I've been dealing with the NFL that they run up a tree when they have an enemy and they're doing everything they can to appease and capitulate to the president and it's not working. And it's like, why do you keep doing this? Because he's not leaving you alone. I can understand that you would ignore him in the hopes that he leaves you alone, but he's not leaving you alone. He's taking your decision to surrender as, as motivation to keep chasing. And at some point I'm rooting for the NFL to turn, stand up on hind legs like a bear get the claws out and just go. And I'm amazed that the NFL won't do it. Yeah, that's well said. And you that and means me you both. agree with and me? Do you agree with me? I'm trying to get I've, you in trouble. I've do you taken, agree? I, it's almost something I've taken to heart, almost how we handle the topic on the podcast. And I think we've always been, we've tried to speak from our heart and we, we don't all speak with one voice, four different hosts. Um, but I think when you try there's no point in trying to please everyone because when you try to please everyone and that's 
I think, with the policy, but it's also just with how you're handling the issue in writing and, and in the podcast. If you're trying to please everyone, it's not honest, and you end up pleasing no one, and it's kind of it, it's a cowardly go, way to go. Well, but the thing is, it's not that the NFL is trying to please everyone. The NFL is trying to please that minority of the fan base that will huff and puff about how dare you disrespect the military, the flag, and the anthem. And the Quinnipiac poll, I don't know if you saw these numbers, but it confirms what many believe, that that there are people on both sides of the issue. And if anything, right now, a majority of Americans, at least American voters, think that players should have the ability to protest. And they're not unpatriotic for doing so. But for whatever reason, the NFL only focuses on the fans who don't like the protests. And when a guy like Art Rooney comes out and says the vast majority of our fans don't want this, it's just not true. And I don't know why the NFL is only focusing on the the people who want to shout down the protesters and ignoring the people who are saying, we're fine with it because we understand why they're doing it and they have a right to express themselves in this way. That's what bothers me, the idea that the NFL is selectively choosing which smaller than half of the fan base it's going to listen to. Yeah, I think that the Anthem policy specifically that that they came up with at the recent owners' meetings is what I think of, of was their attempt to thread the needle. Whether it was misguided or not, I think you know that there are owners who weren't pleased, who weren't happy with that, that compromise on both sides, you know, who thought it didn't go far enough. And there were certainly owners who didn't want anything to happen uh and they i think ended up with something in between that that managed to get the room to mostly agree on that this is okay but i don't i think in the end that there's a lot of owners and certainly a lot of fans on both sides that are that aren't really pleased with how it all turned out all right i want to ask you some questions that were posed by the pftpm posse and it comes under the heading of this gif that i found did you know you had a gif on Twitter? No, I didn't. Have you seen this GIF? This GIF is this GIF is hypnotizing, or hypnotic, I guess, would be the better word. I I can't. It can't be too widely used because I I don't know what it is. It, it I think is, I might have, have a you seen recollection, it? but I, you have to tell me. It looks like it's from like the introduction to your podcast, and you're looking at the camera. And you've oh, got yeah, this very deliberate yeah, yeah. turn turn to the left. So the shoulders go first <laughs> and the head follows. It's very well choreographed. You could have balanced a book on top of your head. I just the thing is I, I swear I'm hypnotized by it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like when Dan when our host Dan uh is like starting the segment. I I can I know what you're talking about, yeah. So you guys do audio podcast and do you do video segments out of it or do you do separate video segments that go along with the podcast? You know, we do some pre-taped stuff for the web, but that, I'm, I'm guessing, is we do live hits on the network on Up to the Minute. So that's, that's a show hosted by Andrew Siciliano, and we do we do hits on that as a group. So they'll have us on for four minutes, uh, and that's what that's from, I, I'm guessing. How did they decide that Dan Hansis was going to be the main host? Because there's always a pecking order. How did he end up getting, like, the, you know, like the, the radio guy, uh, taking a break, bringing it in? Did, why didn't it rotate? Why is it always him? Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, when we started the podcast, well, he's got the radio host voice, so I think that's probably number one. And when we started the podcast, it it just sort of naturally felt like I think he wanted to, but it also just felt, you know, when you put the four of us in a room, we didn't know exactly how it was going to work out. 
And I think we played around, and it just naturally felt that way. Plus, no one, no one really wants to be the host. I mean, that's, that's not true. People do want to be the host, but I want to be the guy giving opinions. And I think the other three guys, Mark and Wes, are the same, same way. We don't want to be the traffic cop asking other people questions. Uh, on some level, and uh, it just sort of naturally fell that way. I mean, there is a, a fundamental difference. People don't realize that, but when you're the one that's setting everything up, because I do that when Chris Sims is on PFT Live, and Peter King's going to be on one day a week, he just waits for me to throw him the ball, and it's I do the welcome back and all that shit, and it really, there's no substance to it whatsoever. It's just words. No, it's fun. It's, but it's just words. But you just, you, it's like you, you're teeing it up, and then you engage in the conversation. But somebody's got to tee it up, or the audience is wondering what the hell's going on. Yeah, he Dan's got the the great radio pipes, the opposite of me, essentially. And uh, when it's four people too, I think that issue that you're talking about is exacerbated. So if you're if you're in a four person TV hit for three and a half minutes, you can imagine what it's like for the host. And there's there's some level of that on the podcast too. Uh, where, you know, you're playing traffic cop, and he's great at doing that, I and mean, I'm glad he is. I'm scrolling through these questions. We're going to bounce around in them. Eddie Horse Sports, a member of the PFTPM Posse, wants me to ask your opinion on whether Gary Myers should lose his Hall of Fame vote after admitting that he would have not voted for Terrell Owens if he had known Owens wasn't going to show up for the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Look, I think they should take the vote away on that basis because it tells me that he is apt to consider factors that he shouldn't consider, and obviously you shouldn't consider whether or not the person's going to show up and put on the gold jacket. But just give me your thoughts generally on this Terrell Owens kerfuffle. He's not going to the Hall of Fame ceremony, and a lot of people are pissed off about it and basically want him to, to show up anyway. Yeah, I think that's a ridiculous take from Gary. I don't know about taking his his vote away. Although they do need to freshen up that room a little bit. I think with some some a younger literally, crew, so I'm, I'm not I'm not totally against it. You know, I I don't like people telling another adult what to do, and I certainly don't like the idea that it would somehow have affected the vote. That said, I also you know, as someone who's gone to that, it's a great event. You know, I, in my heart, like, it would be great if Terrell Owens let himself have have a great time that weekend because I think he would feel the love, and I think it, it just means so much to everyone that I've seen go through it. But if he doesn't want to do it, like, he's an adult. He doesn't want to do it, and, and that's too bad, I guess, for everyone, but it's not the end of the world. Well, and look, I, I, I hear people say that he's upset because he had to wait twice to get in and plenty of others also had to wait and they weren't upset but it's not just that he had to wait it's the things they said about him to justify not putting him in why not just say look there's only five spots every year for modern era finalists there are plenty of worthy candidates we're not going to get all the worthy candidates in some of them are going to have to wait a while, and that's okay. It's nothing against you, Terrell. Just be patient. Instead, you got guys like Gary Myers taking a figurative shit on his head, saying he was a disruptive teammate, five different teams couldn't wait to get rid of him, which is just ridiculous, and making him look bad. So it it got to the point for me where I'm like, well, why are you even considering putting him in? Like, oh, this guy has no business in here. People don't want him in here. Okay, hey, you're in. You're in. Come on in. Like, if I was Terrell Owens, I'd be wondering, what the hell is this? It's like this exclusive club that blackballed me twice, and now all of a sudden I'm good enough to join? Screw you. I'm not joining. That's exactly what my attitude would be. (laughs) It raises 
you know, questions that I often think about when I've been there on that weekend. Because it really, it's the highlight, I think, of a lot of these guys' careers, especially the ones that haven't won the Super Bowl. But even the ones that have won it, when they talk about it, I they, the sense of belonging and respect and just that they've made it is, is incredible. But it's always in the back of my mind that it's, it's strange to me that it's the greatest moment in these guys' life and the camaraderie and the feeling that they're on this all-time team is amazing. And then I'm always thinking about it's strange that, like, a beat writer who's been covering the Vikings for one or two years has a vote. Or some guys who I know aren't really following the sport as close as they could be a vote. And it's kind of a – it's not a random collection of voters. And for the most part, they all take their job seriously. But – Ultimately, none of us understand the sport quite as well as, as the coaches and, and some other people inside the sport. So it's always a strange dichotomy in my head, just that like the group of people that are deciding to bestow this incredible honor uh, on the players uh, is, is a little random to me. And that's probably one of the things that sticks in, in T.O.'s crowd. But who knows? Who knows what really is bothering me? Well, and look, I think there's an intentional randomness to it because, and and, and this brings me back to when I have a, a pool of potential jurors getting ready for a trial, you have to think about how those people are going to interact. And if you have six alphas on the jury, you're going to get one type of outcome or one type of chaos and quite possibly a deadlock jury. If you have two alphas and four betas, then you're going to get the thing done, and it's just a matter of playing to the two people that you think are going to be the leaders. So I think they want what appears to be randomness. They want somebody like a a guy who just got assigned to the beat and has no football experience whatsoever because that person isn't going to come try to take over the room. I think it's already hard enough with you know some of the folks who want to be heard and some of the folks who want their will to be respected and their views ultimately be to be adopted. If you have 50 people just like that, you're never going to get the process finished. Yeah, and it's tough because most it's there's I don't know what the solution is. I don't have a better one, but most most writers are beat writers in that room and they know everything about their city. Um, but they're not watching the other guys each and every Sunday throughout their primes. It's just it's it's impossible. And so it's 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 an imperfect way that they that they do it. I I don't know I don't know what would be a better way. It's kind of like the AP MVP voting. I mean, some of the people that have that vote are a joke. Uh, it does bother me that if you work for the NFL, by the way, you're not allowed to have any of these votes or ever be in the Hall of Fame room. So that's that's something I'll, I'll never contribute to. And I would like to see kind of how that's going. Why do you why why do they have that rule that if you work for the NFL, you're not allowed to contribute? I don't know. The same thing that you're not even allowed to be in the Pro Football Writers Association. Jim Trotter, who just came to work for us, had to, he was the president of the PFWA, and he had to he had to give that up against his will because he uh, joined the NFL Network. It's it's an old old school way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, but it is a recognition of one of the things that I get in trouble for from time to time, and I think it has pissed people off at the league office more than anything else I've said. The idea that. If you've got yeah. a paycheck with Roger Goodell's name on it, you are inherently conflicted. It it, it doesn't matter I think it how pisses you... off the reporters more even than any uh, anyone in the league office. You're definitely not a popular figure uh, within the NFL. You know, but, hey Greg, you know why? Maybe not Cause, with everyone, cause they know. But, you know. Greg, they know. When Jim Trotter took that job, he knew he w- look. It's no different than the old Tass 
news agency that the Soviet Union had. It's the exact same thing. I made the point the other day. You're going to get me going here. I made the point the other day. How would we react if Donald Trump decided while in the White House that he is going to create a media company that he will own and operate and he will hire people to cover the White House and to cover him? How would people react to that? However people would react to that is exactly the situation that the reporters, and I know you're not a reporter per se, but the reporters who are on the payroll for the NFL are in that exact situation. And it pisses them off because I'm the only one who's willing to say it. They would much prefer that I be like everybody else in the media who either aspires to get that paycheck one day with the commissioner's signature on it or understands, hey, as long as the NFL is giving out jobs, that's less competition we have to worry about. And I know that for a fact. I've had people in the media tell me to cut it out because the worst thing that can happen is the NFL gets rid of all its reporters. All those people are going to go need jobs, and they may take away their jobs. Well, it depends on the it depends on the role of who you're talking about. I think the role of the NFL media, whether it's writing or on air, is very similar to what it is. No matter who you're working for, I don't think it ultimately makes much of a difference. And I think that the thing maybe people here probably push against is. It's hypocritical because everyone is mad. That's the talking point. I think they all had a meeting. I think they all had a meeting, and they came up with that because that's the talking point that I always get. Hey, we all have masters. That's right, but we all aren't paid to cover our master. I don't cover NBC. I'm not hired to cover NBC. You cover your sources, and and everyone reacts to their sources, whether the, the, the people that are usually talking most about journalistic rights and who is being... Uh, a good journalist or not being biased, I know for a fact, are always biased. They're just biased in different ways. They, they're biased to their to different sources. They're biased, and it, it's okay, it's natural. I don't think it necessarily means they're doing their job better. They're giving uh, it intentionally favorable coverage, but they're biased, and, and they, they have different people that they're serving or different news that they're helping to get out from different people. And, and that's how it happens. There's no one that I see that is just like, is scot-free, you know what I mean? Yeah, but the thing is, there's no one who has one resource, one source, one master that can potentially take it all down in one fell swoop. I mean, that's the difference. We all have compromises that we have to make from time to time in order to be effective. But if any one of my sources would tell me to piss off right now, if one of them would, any one of them, I'd still be fine. And frankly, at the point where we are now, I mean, I, I look, we've got such a wide variety of people that we talk to and people we get information from, it would take a hell of a lot of them to get to the point where I couldn't function. But if you're working for the NFL and you piss off the wrong person at the NFL and the NFL is the one that number one, you're covering, and number two, they're paying you, and they tell you get the hell out, or, or, and, and you know, it, it never would happen that directly. It would be just more along the lines of, well, this person just doesn't fit, and at some point, this person's going to be gone. But the conflict of interest is there. It's an inherent conflict. It's greater. It, it's, it, well, it's, it's greater, inherent. It's not greater. It's, also- it's inherent. There's no way around it. There's nothing you can do. You could be, you could dot every I and cross every T if you're a reporter on the payroll with any league or any team-owned media. You, could, you can act in a way that is completely above board, and you can be the most ethical and responsible journalist possible. You still can't get away from the inherent conflict of interest. I guess that's my point. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's all fair. I just think when people – when I'm pu- pushing against is that you, you have conflict of interest working for the NFL, which is – the NBC is a partnership, and you're not allowed to say certain things – 
uh, about other league partners, let's say about other broadcast partners, there's always someone who ultimately, if they really wanted to, and you're probably insulated from this at this point, uh, but if you said the wrong thing, that the NFL, if they get upset enough about it, whether you work at Fox, ESPN, or NBC, they can get up in your business and they can ruin things for you and they can change the, the tone of your coverage. And we know, we both know for a fact that that's happened at, at points. Uh, not just, uh, I'm not speaking about you specifically, but I'm speaking really for, for a lot of different people because there's a lot more partnership and everyone's in this together than, than I think probably gets publicly recognized. And, and maybe that's what people are pushing against a little bit. Well, I, there, there is a certain element of that, but still. Like, there are things you could say, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but there were a lot of things you could say before you joined NBC that you couldn't say after NBC, right? Well, I don't know about that because it was very express. When I had my initial conversation with Rick Cordella, and I said, you know what, I don't want to do this. I don't want to give up my independence. I don't want to change my life. I'm a creature of habit. I mean, it's taken me four days to recover from four days away in California from Matt Casey's wedding. I like to it was be settled. beautiful. Come on, it was great. I know, but I just like to be settled into my routine. I don't like to disrupt my routine. So I did not want to do it. And, and he called me up, and we had the conversation. It's like, how am I going to scare this guy away? I really don't want to do it. And it's like, I know what I'm going to do. I said to him, you know, Rick, uh, here's the problem. I, I, I don't want a bunch of people from NBC calling me up, telling me, why'd you write this? You got to write this. You can't write this. I'd have to have full and complete editorial control over PFT. I'd have to retain that. And if that's not on the table, then we're wasting each other's time. And I thought he'd say, well, okay, we're wasting each other's time. You can get back to work now. But he said, yeah, we got no problem with that. And it's like, oh, shit, now I got to come up with another way to scare these people <laughs> away. So I, now, the, it's one thing to have it. It's another thing to use it. And for me, frankly, it's more driven by relationships. And that yeah, was one of the big things Dick Eversall drove home when when uh, I joined NBC nine years ago, that the relationships are meaningful. So you develop friendships with people at NBC. And sometimes when I do kind of like take the foot off the gas just a little bit, it's because I don't want people that I know and I like to get a nasty phone call. You know, and sometimes it's like, screw it, I'm going to mash the gas anyway, and I'll deal with it when the call comes down to me. But sometimes I will. It's like, do I really need to do it? Is it necessary or is it gratuitous? And if I feel like it's gratuitous, I'll check it a little bit because I don't want someone that I like to have to spend a half hour getting their ass reamed by someone from NBC. Or in, from not from NBC, but from the NFL. Right, and there's, there's you know, Greg, are you there? Right, there's always going to be an inherent conflict of interest, but I, I think I think that's the case across most, basically all media companies. It it is greater at the NFL, but I think there's just such good examples of the NFL who do uh, a good job walking that line of that they can be critical, uh, that they can be professional, and, and be and be outward about being critical about the NFL or different. Uh, choices that the league or that teams make, and that they they have the leeway to do that because they're good at their jobs. Like there's enough examples of that, and I think that's why that's why people push against it. So who should Someone. I be on guard for? Who specifically is going to come up and punch me in the face or kick me in the in the face? Mm. Well, you know, you and Silver have been going at it recently. That that's one. Uh, Jane Slater, you got to watch out for her. She's feisty. That that seems like something that could be lingering. 
And I didn't like even know. I don't know her at all. Too, I never. Know, when they heard I was going to be on this show. They were like, "Oh, Florio, he's gonna, he's gonna dump on the NBA, dump on the NFL, isn't he?" And <laughs> you know, you didn't. I, I usually have to like contact someone in PR and do the mother may I thing before I have like Rappaport on. You never told me I had to do it. Should I have? Should I have like done it as a courtesy because I didn't? No, I'm not big time like you know. Ian. <laughs> I don't need. I don't need to get permission. <laughs> now, Ian and I are fine. Silver and I, our issue is unrelated to the fact that he works for the NFL. Uh, J- Jane, that was just kind of out of the blue. I don't know. I don't. You know, look, I, I, I don't. I don't know. Don't mess with the. Don't mess with the Dallas. You know, Texas girls. I'm telling you, she's one to watch out for. All right. Well, I'll keep my eyes open. I, and and part of it, and and this is part of it. I, and I don't know. I don't know whether I've matured past this. Part of it is, it's just kind of like. And, and and I saw oh god what was it it was the Howard Stern on that that David Letterman thing on Netflix um, I don't know if you saw this but no, I they were talking about how when Stern there was there was a point where Stern was just ripping Letterman every chance he could get and Letterman was hurt by it to the point where Letterman's like do I need to bring him on the show will that get him to shut up about me but but Letterman was really bothered by it and Stern's attitude was I just didn't think he'd care. And a lot of times with me, it's like when I pop off, it's like, I, and it's stupid because I would care if someone said it about me. But a lot of times my justification is, ah, hell, they, they don't care. I don't mean anything by it, so they don't care. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying what I got to say to make things interesting. They don't care. And I guess I've come to realize that uh, um, yeah, that's incorrect. Care. That's factually people, incorrect. People are sensitive. You know, I'm wondering, you know, you've, you've got the puppy now, you know, Alex is in college. You know, aren't you going to get tired of getting into Twitter fights with people at some point? There's I don't get into drama. That. You said you need drama for, for excitement. Hey, let me tell you, after the last two days, I don't need any drama. I got enough drama shitting all over my house. So, <laughs> um, but uh, actually, actually, Macy is very good. She has yet to defecate in the house, but she has no qualms about squatting and peeing so quickly that there is no chance you're getting her outside before the bladder hey, has emptied. What's her Macy, name? Macy, Macy. Oh, Macy. Okay. We didn't come nice. up with it. The the person we got it, that was the name of the dog. So, you know, we couldn't think of anyone better. It's hard to come up with good, like you can come up with some really good boy dog names. It's not easy to come up with good girl dog names. Mm. We tried. We tried. So we went with Macy. But, uh, cause we couldn't think of anything better. But anyway, I, I, I hear, you know, this is like a therapy session, I guess. I don't know. Do I send you the bill or do you send me the bill? I think you're sending it to me. I'm I'm not the one getting into all these uh, fights on Twitter. I'm I'm no drama. No I don't drama. get into that. Listen, I the, the the fight I got into was silver. Like it was the first time in a that long was a good time. One. I've I've <laughs> that avoided. Was a good one. But that was completely gratuitous. I didn't even I just subtweeted him at most and 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 look, it's not like I was coming up with some controversial take. He's been so over the top for Hugh Jackson that he's invited the perception that anything he says about the Browns comes from Hugh Jackson. So, or at a minimum, he's going to run it by Hugh Jackson before he goes with it. And man, he came after me very aggressively. And, uh, yeah, and so I responded and moved on. I responded and, and uh, muted him. And so I don't know what he said since then. I forgot Rich Eisen was another one. It, it's hard. They all blend together. Whenever they pop up, though, it does give me flashbacks to the occasional dust-up you would have um, at PFT when I was there. And now this conversation is kind of reminding me that I sometimes did play the role of therapist listening to you uh, get angry about whoever you were battling with at the moment. You were the therapist. Your side of it. You were the therapist, yeah. and Matt Casey was the instigator. 
and he doesn't instigate as much as he used to. But man, there was a stretch where he knew how to press my buttons to get me to go, and it did not take much. And I think he finally stopped because I don't think he was aware he was doing it. And I, I, I like kept saying, man, you are a shit stirrer. You, you like, you yeah. get this all worked up, and I act on it, and then I get myself in a jackpot. And uh, you know, and, and I think at some point he realized, oh my god. Uh, I think you're right because he really doesn't stir shit the way that he used to. But I were you you were still wait a minute you you left what year? 2012 right? 2012. Yeah. Okay, so it was before that was before Rich Eisen and I used to have a good relationship. But I was at that press conference, the commissioner's press conference, and there were a couple of questions from NFL Network reporters that felt like they were planted and they were specifically asked so the commissioner could talk about what he wanted to talk about. And again, you invite that right. when you work for the commissioner. And I asked the question on Twitter, and he came up to me in, in this open-air room with all these people around, and he, he does this there. kind of John Wayne walk. You know, he has that John Wayne strut, and he holds out his phone. Did you write Did you, did you write this? Yeah. You're better than that. And that kind of did it for me. And I've tried since then. I've tried, and I just can't. I, I like, went through a stretch where it was like, oh, I'll reach out to him, and we'll get together and have a beer. I just can't. I can't. It crossed a line for me that that's never going to go back. And I, you know, I ran maybe, into maybe him. Maybe you'll have him on your podcast in like nah, five not, more years. Or something. Well, yeah, that's uh, well. If I ever want to have a podcast, well, I'm not going to say it. Um, I don't want to make it worse. <laughs> I don't want. Well, I do remember because I had just started at the NFL. I think it was fairly early on, and and so he came over to me and was like, "What's with this guy?" You know, that that was that was what was going on. Listen, what's here's the thing. When I joined. When I joined NBC, he's the one that said, oh, are you still going to be able to say all the things you say? I bet you won't be able to say Bogart on PFT. It's like, well, I'll say whatever I want to say. But I felt like like we were simpatico and like he was like, hey, yeah, go, go, yeah, B.A., go, do it, until it gets pointed at him. But In it was fairness, a- though, your questioning in that specific case, I, I'm trying to remember if it was Albert or Steve it was, White. It was Steve White. So you're questioning it was a- the integrity of Steve White. No, I'm not. Is, no, I'm not. without question, if you know him, which Rich does, his integrity is without question. But so it felt like, I'm sorry. After him and, and you take offense. When you, when you have a paycheck signed by Roger Goodell and you are at a press conference with Roger Goodell and you ask a question that comes off like it is a softball that was being thrown up there that Roger Goodell wanted to ask. And I know how they approach that press conference and they go in there with things that they want to talk about. And sometimes you don't get the opening to talk about it. Now, I don't know that they have questions that they want asked by people who work for the NFL, but it's a, it's a no, logical, it's a don't. logical, of course they don't. But what do you mean? Of course they don't. How do you know? How do you know? That Ian Rappaport has never been said, but never been suggested to him that you should ask this question during the press conference. How do you know that's never I happened? I I guess I don't, but I know I know that Steve Weiss hasn't, and I I know I know he wouldn't. And I think that's probably all it came from was was Rich as a personal relationship. You're questioning someone he knows integrity, and uh, you get you get fired up in the but moment, there's, but there's just like anyone to... would get fired up if. If anyone was questioning MDS or something, there's a, there's a way to deal with it. I wouldn't confront somebody publicly in front of other people. There's a way to deal with it. There's, there's a professional and diplomatic way to deal with it, where you call the person aside and you have a conversation. Because ultimately, despite the exterior, we're all reasonable. You can attest to the fact that I'm reasonable. You can attest to the fact. I may, maybe you disagree. I think that your experience would be that I'm fair and reasonable and I try to do the right thing, but I think there's a way to do it that doesn't antagonize someone. And the way that he did it antagonized me to the point where five years later, I'm still pissed off about it. 
Yeah, no, you're right. I, I asked. Oh, the NFL just cut uh, off your feed. Hey, the NFL. You. Hey. I always say he's a much nicer guy than he is on Twitter. You know, he's, he's a great guy to work for. He's a much nicer guy than, than he comes off. If they, especially if they come at me with a little bit of a, of a, is that guy tough to work with? I get, I get a, I've gotten a lot of that. Over so you've defended all these years when I've been, I've been acting as if you don't exist because you left. You've been secretly defending me. Right. Yeah, I said he. It was a great. It was a great guy to work for. He cares about his job and his family, and that's you know, maybe religion, and that's about it. You know, that's, that's, wait, was it? That's, was it? That's what Mike is all about. Was it? He's a great guy to work for, and you do the Rodney Dangerfield eye roll, or did you really mean it when you said it? <laughs> you know, he he can hold a grudge. He can hold a grudge, uh, and unnecessary. He didn't handle that, you know, as well as as he probably should have. But you know, I'm I'm willing. Willing to look past that. Well, we and and we can we can thank or we can blame Matt <laughs> Casey. The ultimate shit stir has become the peacemaker, and now we move forward with a new relationship, which will consist of God knows what. I I think I learned what I need to do. I need to just tell you I'm coming to L.A. and here's the days I'm going to be there, and I expect to be invited to be on your podcast those days. Because I, I can the, the research I did at Matt Casey's wedding suggests to me that that's the way to get invited to be on the Around the NFL podcast. That's that's the way to do it. Just give us the time that works for you, and, and we'll make it work. And just presume that you want me, right? Like, hey, I, I, I'll be on your podcast this day. Just call me at the appropriate time. We, we've learned over the years we're anti-phoners, even, even if it's, even if it's Tony Romo, it's usually clunkers. Just because there's four of us, I think it's a different dynamic. But if we can ever get you in the room, if you're ever in Los Angeles, please, please come on. Wait, so this is actually an invitation. Do you speak on yeah, behalf please. of the other three, including the host? Because the host, even though even though the job is frivolous, he's got a higher level of, of status than the rest of you. Is he okay with that, too? We, we're pretty good at making group decisions, and I think they would. He loves drama more than you do, so uh, he would love the idea, and he would he would try to be a shitster and bring up bring up uh, some of the things we've talked about here today between me and you, the, the personal dynamics. He he would love it. He'd want you the whole show. Okay, well, uh, it's a long flight, as I found out the past uh, the past week. But uh, my, and my son's been saying he wants to go to California, and oh. uh, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll hop on a plane and fly out there. We you you might be here for some Rams and Chargers games. We've got two two good teams. My my daughter, I'm going to her last day of uh, kindergarten is getting out very soon, and uh, I think she might be could be becoming a Rams fan. I can't really stop it. There there it could be a fun thing to root for. What what is it that's attracting her to the Rams? Just they're in town and they're on TV. Uh, yeah, that they're, they're and they're not we the Chargers. Hat, I think I picked up at, at work, and you know they're just kind of in the air. Whereas I'm not going to make her root. I'm not one of those parents that's going to make her root for the Patriots. If she if she wants to root for her because because her daddy does, then then we'll see. But I, I'm never living in in uh, New England again, so it just seems kind of silly to make her have to do that. Well, wait, how can you say never? How do you know you're never going to live in New England again? It's too cold. It's too cold. I, if I would live in New York again. I love New York. I can't imagine. Maybe when I'm when I'm getting old, when I'm like retired or something. But I can't imagine. My, I I go there enough. My parents live there. My brother lives there. Uh, I'm not moving back to to Massachusetts. What do you think about this Rob Gronkowski stuff? 
What is it? Give me oh, just in general, or do you? No, no, no. There's this. I, I, I was waiting for another shooter draft today with some of the dudes that you alluded to on your PFP. I have no idea what's going to happen. Well, Dave Portnoy from Barstool did the. Uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Gronk is not with the team at the end of the day. And Tom Curran and Mike Giardi have said there's no truth to the quick-spreading rumor that the Patriots will trade Rob Gronkowski. I, I, I mean, it just kind of seems very sudden and out of the blue. But it would suggest to me that that if there is any talk to that, it just means they're not making the progress they want to make on the contract that he's been eligible for two weeks now to get since it's been the one-year anniversary of his last new contract, and they haven't gotten it done. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's friction there. Maybe there's something there. But but that all came out of the blue this afternoon. Well, when we were at the owners' meetings, it crossed my mind, and I don't. I think it was just total speculation from some people around the league that, you know, would – would they trade Gronk? You know, I, I think they would for the right price. The problem is I don't think they're going to get the right price. I think he's so valuable that they'd consider it if someone was going to give them a big-time offer before the draft. And now that this this guy on Reddit, you know, somehow broke the Edelman news and now he says that something else big could happen, people are just jumping to the Gronk uh, conclusion without any basis to it is, is my read on the situation. Whose burner account do you think that is? Who, who is the person on Reddit? Because we did a draft last week on PFT Live of the people in the NFL most likely to have a burner account. My second-round pick was Belichick, and Sims' first-round pick was, was Robert Kraft. Wouldn't that be something if it's Robert Kraft putting that stuff up? Belichick would be the last-round pick. He would never in a million years be so dumb and uh, be as interested in trivial nonsense as uh, Jerry Colangelo and his wife apparently were. Uh, but that's the ultimate like cover, Greg. Level. That's the genius of it. When he says inside, snap face. Maybe it's someone inside the, inside the building that's somehow involved in the Patriots media arm or just someone who's an intern there, something like that. Well, maybe we'll find out. That other shoe is supposed to drop on uh, Friday evening. Maybe by the time people have heard this, that will be old news. The rest of it, though, should be fresh. And, Greg, I didn't mean to keep you for a full hour. But, uh, but I have. There's nothing I can do about it other than say thank you, and I'm sorry that I consumed as much time as I did. Uh, let's do this again at some point, and I, I will be in L.A. at some point between now and the end of my career, I hope, because, okay. uh, because NBC, well, one of these Super Bowls is out there. I don't know if it's NBC Super Bowl, but one of them is out there. But uh, So I will be out there, but I think that's a few years down the road. Hopefully at some point before then I'll come out and uh, I can invade your space and uh, and try to say something completely outlandish that gets everybody in trouble. I I am looking forward to it, and uh, would love to. Now to this, do this isn't. Again. Now if I do this, the, go ahead. Sorry. Hang on. I just want to be clear. This is going to be like Jerry Springer, where you're going to bring out Jane Slater or Rich Eisen, right? Or Mike Silver. <laughs> no. Like they're not going to all three rush they, out and beat the hell out of me. They're they're they can fight their own fights. I'm not I'm not doing anything for for them. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm going to go pick up. Ellis from school right now, last day of kindergarten. What could be better than that? All right. Well, hey, enjoy it. Thanks for your time, Greg. And uh, it's it's been fun to rekindle whatever it was that we previously had. It can be more of a friendship <laughs> now because there's no actual work involved. So uh, it's been great talking to you. It's been fun to have our therapy session. Send me a bill, and uh, uh, we'll talk again soon. Well said. I'll talk to you later, Mike. 
You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk.